We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Gaming Golf Podcast. Jeff Erickson, Jeff Ritter, Scott Jenstad here. A combination of Rotowire and Morning Read. Uh, guys, it's PGA Week. Uh, could be the toughest major of the year in terms of the course. Excited about it. We're playing at Kiwa Island. Uh, it's 8,000 yards. Next next year, it's going to be 10,000, I think, or whatever. But uh, they're going to keep on anti-Brysoning it, and I think that's actually going to make it worse. But let's get started right away. I'm excited about this tournament. Yeah, I'm fired up. I mean, the Ocean Course, I think this is probably the PGA's best venue in terms of like their, if you want to call it the Rota, they don't really officially have one. But I think of the places they return to, uh, I think Kiowa is great. It's distinct. It just gives it an identity. It's going to feel, it's going to feel like a major. It's going to feel like a unique, uh, you know, difficult test. You already alluded to it. I think this might turn out to be the toughest uh, golf course played of the major championships this year. And uh, guys are going to get beat up. If the wind blows, I mean, guys might get annihilated. So I mean, there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of potential for carnage out there. So I'm very excited for this week. I think it's going to be tough, and, and for a viewer, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it, it really is. Scott, uh, they played here like I think what was it 2011, maybe 2012. 2012. Uh, 2012. Yeah. Rory won by eight strokes at 11 under. Uh, just blew away the field. Blue being the uh, operative term because the wind was really blowing that year. That second round, I think the scoring average was like 78, which is just insane for any tournament, even a major. Uh, but how excited are you for this tournament? I'm excited for it. I, I love majors. I love, you know, you look at the DFS and bets, and there's just so many options. We, you know, last week we're talking, you know, you got a few options up top, and you got to find some guys. Like this week, there's there's great names at every level. It's just so fun to talk about. It's so fun to play. Yeah, it's, I think it all depends on the wind. I mean, if the wind kicks up, it becomes a really, really difficult test. It's, like you said, 7,900 yards, which is just crazy length. 
Uh, but you look at the wind, like the it, it's not kicking up yet. There's like 13 miles an hour is the, the biggest day. But I saw some clips today out of the range and, you know, caddies had their wind finder out there and trying to figure <laughs> out how uh, how 15 miles an hour affects shots one way or the other or how, what the distance is. So I think it's a, it's a really fun test. And, you know, sitting at home watching, it's always fun when these guys have to have to really grind to make pars, which makes it makes it fun. But uh, I think there'll be some birdies out there, but it just, it'll just be the wind based on, you know, what, what our final score is going to end up. Yeah. Every green's elevated here too, it seems yeah. like. So it's not just length. It's just every approach is uphill again. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we get all those false fronts and all that. Uh, and you factor in the wind. It's, it's amazing. So we mentioned court, you know, Rory is the, the, the last time one here, the last time won comfortably, he won in his last tournament. First time in a while broke a drought. And here we are just in time for a, a course that he does well at. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it, it all of a sudden, just like that, for the entire spring season, you know, people are kind of wondering, well, where's Rory? What's going on with Rory? Just kind of drifting. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there it is, you know, lock it in, find it, win at Wells Fargo at another one of his favorite tracks. And now, you know, gets to ride momentum into this week. And uh, just like that, the story, I mean, we're starting with him. The story starts with him this week. He's a betting favorite, uh, defending champ at, as far as the course goes. And, uh, you know, he's, he deserves to be the first topic of conversation as we kind of get into this week and look at, look at everyone's chances. It, it does start with Rory, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because, like, his last couple of tournaments, like, he putted so well at Wells Fargo and then putted terribly at the players. So it's just a matter of, if, you know, if he's hot and the putter's working, you know, he's one of the one of the five or six guys that if they play, you know, play your A-plus game, you're going to win the tournament by a few shots. And there's there's probably five or six guys up that they do play their, you know, their, their A-plus game where to get wins. But, I mean, the fun part is there's a lot of those guys this week. You know, at Wells Fargo, he had a few, but everybody's playing this week. Um I wouldn't take him as the betting favorite, but uh, I tend to not take the betting favorites anywhere. There's some guys behind them that I that I like, but uh, he's sure a fun story this week. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's golf is better when Rory's playing well. He's one of those one of those star quality sort of guys, yeah. especially with no Tiger. Uh, you know, you want to have some guys that has a have a little bit of personality, a lot of you know familiarity, and it make, makes for a better game. So uh, we'll see. Uh, let's just jump right into it here in terms of what skills do well at the ocean course. We, we've obviously mentioned that, that Rory's done well here. Uh, Jeff, what do you look for here? Stat wise, uh, profile wise, what type of player does well here? Yeah. I mean, well, you look at who was contending last time, maybe as a place to start, obviously suits Rory pretty well and players of Rory's ilk. So mm -hmm. I stats for me, I just went right to T to green uh, as the first start, start. If you're not getting off the T and, and gaining on the field uh, in that stat, I think you're really going to be behind the eight ball this week at a course like this. So um, Omar Uresti probably just set, set him to the side. Uh, you look at Rory, you look at the power players who have that blend of, of power and control. And uh, that that's where I started as far as breaking down uh, from a stats point of view. Yeah, I mean, the fairways aren't small, but you got to hit them. I mean, it's, it's all about angles of this course. It sounds like you got to be on the right side of the fairway to really attack pins. And it's funny, I saw uh, there was a Golf Digest guy that said it, it's the hardest course he's ever seen, like if an amateur were to go play. He said a scratch golfer would shoot over 80 at this course just because of the angles and where the pins are and the length of it. So it's, it's interesting that uh, you're going to have to drive the ball deep. I mean, I don't think you I don't think you toss guys out who can't hit the ball far, but they got to be able to hit the ball well from like the 200 to 225 range. you got to have the long irons kind of dialed in. Um, so it's going to be it, – it's, it's an interesting test in, in that regard, but I think that, you know, shot gained approach is big for me. Tita Green, I kind of toss putting this week just because they're on a surface that they never putt on. It's a surface they use in, like, Mayacoba and Puerto Rico, but, uh, you know, it's a very different surface. So I, 
you know, I, I, I think that the hot putters this week are going to be hard to figure out. So I'm kind of tossing them, looking for ball strikers, and then hoping the guys I pick end up, uh, you know, he's at least putting average. Isn't that always the strategy, though? Doesn't you know almost every course they play at now? We're, I mean, obviously the the the, the surface is not yeah. an issue everywhere, but aren't we always saying, okay, find a good ball striker and hope the uh, putter gets hot? We don't care so much that they're great putters. Yeah, I think a little more this week for me. I like I'm looking at the around the green stats because I think with the length you're gonna have to get up and down a lot of spots. There are some mm-hmm. players that in the around the green, the chipping, that kind of those kind of metrics, I am looking at a little bit more than I would normally. Um, so I think maybe I'm looking at putting less uh, and, and around the green stuff more. I like like a you know you look like a, a Patrick Reed kind of guy and get up and down from everywhere with the length of these holes. Um, you're just not gonna hit as many greens as normal. You're gonna have to be able to get up and down. Yeah, that- Jeff, Jeff, you hit on it though. That's like that is the trend of major championships though is. They're getting longer and tougher, more brutal. And that was, I mean, Bryson saw that trend and that was the inspiration for him remaking his whole body and doing this whole, you know, the crazy (laughs) Bryson plan, you know, that he's put into motion is I, he thinks uh, the way he calculates it is by just adding length and becoming the biggest driver in the game. There's enough there statistically to make up the rest. And that's a, you know, make enough of a difference on the field. And he's now won one major. I think he's on the very short list uh, for this week as well. So, but but I, I think you just you nailed it with that point of this is the trend of, of particularly the majors where if you don't have a big game for a big course, your odds get even steeper. Well, it seems like every course's reaction is to Tiger or Bryson proof a course, and that only gives them a greater advantage over the field. Uh, it, it seems like it seems like it has the opposite effect. It doesn't level the playing field; it, it stretches it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're at the same time, maybe I think of the USGA, but even all the majors, you know, they don't want 20 under winning their title. You know, Augusta right. doesn't want to see it. The PGA doesn't want to be seen as kind of the softest major either. So uh, you're right. It, by doing so, it does only enhance the Bryson effect, right? So yeah. uh, that's the irony is is that he sees the trend coming and he's, and he's out in front of it now with you know, the extra 40 pounds and, and 40 yards off the tee or whatever it is that he's ended up gaining through all this. So, uh, I mean, absent like growing the rough to uh, 12 feet high and uh, having lava pits to the left and right of the fairway, what do you do? I mean, how can you level it? Isn't that the great question? I mean, I think narrower and tighter angles as opposed to just throwing tees farther and farther back. Uh, I think trying to reward accuracy and strategy more so than just I got to get 320 off the tee or else I'm hitting hybrids all day in, you know, while, while Bryson hits eight or nine iron, you know, I, I think it's, I think there's more um, to be done with architecture, um, but it's difficult. I mean, how do you re-engineer some of these courses? Augusta right. Central is They're great courses it is. too. Yeah. It's not yeah. like these are like, Oh, okay. Let's just tear, tear up the course. And no, they're, they're famous courses for a reason. Scott, yeah. what do you think? What do you guys think we get as a winning score this week? If you had to uh, able to throw a number out there for what we see Sunday afternoon. So Rory won. I, I don't have this at my fingertips. Rory's was, score was 13, 14, something like that. He was like 11. Okay, he was 11. He was 11. Okay. So I threw this on Twitter because I, I looked up his score from last time and I forgot what it was. It was 11. So I said 11 again. Uh, and I, I just thought if the wind is down, there's now enough Rory's in the field. You know, there's enough people with that player profile where someone's going to shred this thing again, you know, and maybe, you know, there'll be three or four guys I think that could potentially take it deep if the wind doesn't go crazy. Um, but otherwise this, this could very be easily be a tournament where three, four under par uh, has you right there on Sunday too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Let, let's start looking at the field. So 
Rory is the betting favorite. He's the most expensive player on uh, DK, which, you know, and Wells Fargo is at 10,000. Now he's at 11,500. You know, your, your buy low window is gone. Uh, but it's Rory, it's Justin Thomas at 11.3, DJ's at 10.9, despite which I guess is low for him, but his recent form's been pretty awful. Rom's at 10.5, Bryson is at 10.2, and Jordan Speeth at 10.1. Those are your six golfers over 10,000. Uh, pretty consistent, at least in terms of the structure there. Uh, what jumps out to you guys at those prices? We'll start with Scott this time. So uh, it, it's tough. I mean, it's one of those weeks where there are a lot of guys in the sixes and sevens you could play. So if you wanted to get two guys up here and kind of jam it in, you could. But there's so many eight players in the eight to nines that are great names too that I'll probably end up with one guy up here. And since we got to kick everybody, kick some guys, you know, they're all good players. Uh, my, my top pick in this range is actually Justin Thomas. Um, he's fourth in the field, uh, Tita Green. He's sixth on uh, in ball striking, second approaches. He just hasn't been putting the ball well. And if I'm, you know, going with that approach, if I want the best ball striker, or I want the guy that I, I just hope he can putt average. He's top 26 and five straight. Two of those, he uh, he lost more than five shots putting. So he's going to get killed with the flat stick. He won the players in March, though. Um, his approach game is elite the last five tournaments. He's just a guy that I think is hitting the ball best, and uh, that's what I'm going to take at this, this course right now. It's a good pick. Uh, it's hard to believe Thomas still has one major. feels like he's been elite long does, enough right? now where he's, he's overdue. Uh, to me, Bryson is still the guy off this top tier. Uh, I just think given the profile and the fact that he's got a major championship win in a runaway, uh, you know, there are, there are only so many guys that can win a major and win a major big. And Justin Thomas hasn't won a major big yet, but you certainly would say he's got the game where that could happen. But, you know, Rory locked in, obviously, you know, has done it before. Bryson's done it before. And I just think, you know, we didn't really, we didn't see it yet, you know, last week in Texas, last couple of weeks, it hasn't, it just kind of been flickering, I think, but this, this just feels like the, a get right course and the right kind of fit for him. So uh, he's on my short list. And if I'm going to grab somebody off this top tier of the, the DFS 10,000 and above tier, I lean Bryson first and Rory, I mean, Rory's great, but what fun is it to take the odds on favorite? Now, now it feels like <laughs> you can't make, you can't make money on Rory. So you gotta, you gotta go elsewhere. So uh, for me, it's Bryson. No talk about John Rahm this week, which I find interesting. He, you know, he, you know, he, his recent form isn't great. Uh, obviously, he missed a cut, uh, and then, but tied for thirty fourth last week at the Nelson. Uh, not, not a great recent form for him, but used to be like, oh, this is Mister Steady, Mister Consistent. What's wrong with John Rahm? Anything? I don't. I, I don't think anything. I think it's just a, a couple of down weeks. I think that uh, at ten five. Um, I'd play him over Bryson. I'd pay him over Speed this week. I just, uh, I, I just, I, if I had to pick one, I'd go JT. I would, and I would go Bryson over Rom by a nose and even over Speed, who might, you know, thanks to Rory's resurgence, all of a sudden the career grand slam storyline drops down a tier. Uh, I'm sure if he's in contention, it's going to come up a fair amount on the weekend, yeah. but at least heading into the week, he gets to ride some really good form. You know, this has been. A, as much as we're talking about the Rory rebirth, this season's also been the Spieth return too. And so here he is. Uh, he's got to also be feeling really good about his game. I don't think this is the best type of golf course for him, but uh, we've seen that he can make up, you know, the strokes with grit and iron play and, and you know, in other ways. So uh, I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Spieth and building their team around him as well. Um, every, every guy in the top tier, really. There's, only, there's a couple I probably would fade, but Spieth certainly isn't one of them. Is there a particular ball flight that does well here? Like, you know, is there, a, you know, especially off the tee, would you prefer to, a, a player that draws the ball regularly or a person that has a little tight controlled fade? 
I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just, the word I think is just control, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for the player is just to be able for them to just stand on the tee and feel confident and just know where the ball's going. Um, more so than the flight itself. I don't think there's enough. I, there's enough that the course of shape of the, the lay of the land, it's like a figure eight. So you're going to get whatever the wind is, you're going to get it into you against you, you know, every, every which way. So there's not really a ball flight. I don't think, I think it's more just the control player. Okay. Yeah. Cause sometimes like at Augusta, you're like, oh, okay, well you don't want to, uh, you know, you know, some lefties are actually right, doing right. okay. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting there. Okay, um, let's let's move on to the next tier, and we start off with the uh, with Colin Morikawa, who uh, obviously uh, has had some success in majors and and won the most recent PGA uh, out at Harding Park last year. Had that incredible uh, drive the green on the par four to kind of cement it, but it, it kind of hides how good he was with his iron play for the rest of the tournament. What? How does he fit the, this course's profile? Uh, very well, right? I think he's top five in tee to green on the season. Uh, comes in as defending champion. It's got, runs a little hot and cold, a little streakier than, than you would think for a player who's with elite ball striking profile, um, which really I think just comes down to putting. And so, you know, Scott, I would agree with what he said earlier about putting where that's a, um, if you had to take a stat to maybe de-emphasize this week, that's probably the one because, you know, any of these guys can get hot for a week and it doesn't really there's no course experience. There's no Augusta, you know, years and years of learning the the subtleties. So I think Morikawa is an interesting pick and, and maybe, you know, especially for uh, the DraftKings crowd, you know, maybe someone that will get a little bit under, under selected just because it feels like, yeah, it's a, you know, repeat now, you know, oftentimes you just kind of throw those out quickly, but I watch out for him this week. I think he's, I think he's got a great profile for this course. I, I absolutely love Morikawa this week. I think uh, it, it, I love the 9,000 so much. I think there's some interesting builds in DraftKings where you just start with Morikawa and you go either two guys in the nines or even three in the nines and get really cheap where you kind of skip that top tier and you get a really well-balanced team. But I just think he's the best iron player in the world. He's number one in approach in this field over the last 36 rounds. Just strictly comes down to punt. If he puts average, just average, like no strokes gain, I think he'll be there on Sunday afternoon at, at contention. Four top tens his last seven. Just TD Green approach numbers are so elite. I love his profile for this course. If he can just putt average, um, I think he's got a really good shot to win. I like him as like him as a win bet too. I think he's thirty to one right now on on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, yeah, he's thirty to one. Uh, I love that bet. I just think you give me the guy that's hitting the ball the best in the whole world, and I'm going to take it. Indeed, I like that. I like that take. Uh, the rest of the you know, talked about this nine thousand dollar tier. Let's let's break down the rest of them here. Uh, Morikawa's at ninety eight. Xander Shoffley ninety six. Brooks Kepka at ninety five. Hideki Matsuyama, 94. Victor Hovland, 93. Webb Simpson, 92. Patrick Reed, 91. Patrick Cantlay, 9,000. You know, you guys mentioned, I think it was Scott that mentioned, you want to find some guys that can, you know, who are good at chipping uh, because you're, or maybe it might have been Jeff. I forget which one of you two mentioned that, but, you know, you're going to miss some greens here. Does that kind of hurt a guy like Victor Hovland? Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, it's funny because I mean Hovland's hitting the ball so well, but yeah, I mean he's it, it does hurt him a little bit. I mean you gotta he he's putted the ball uh, he putted really well his last couple of tournaments, but around the green stuff is definitely uh, he's gotten better at it. But that's the spot where you know you do worry about him a little bit. I think that uh, he's actually gained strokes in the last couple of events, but um, lost five or six before that. I think that uh, Hovland and Shoffley are going to be 
insanely high on this week. I think hey, getting them in the nines, um, I think a lot of people will pair one of the top guys with them and then kind of get cheap after that. I think a lot of people will pair both of them together and get cheap. Uh, you get Xander under 10,000. There's a lot of people picking him this week. There's a lot of people picking Hovland to, w- to win. Um, I think those guys will be very high percentage for a good reason. They're both really good players. It could be the time that Hovland maybe breaks through, but you look at someone like Patrick Reed and you wonder just how low percentage you can get a guy that, you know, plays well on tough, long courses, play well in majors, plays really well around the green. He's, he's a very risky pick. He's not someone you want to, you know, maybe, maybe have in your core, but if you, if you throw him in there as a, as a pivot to Hovland and Shoffley, you're going to get probably half the ownership and, and just as much win equity as you get to those two guys. Yeah. It's a uh, Hovland is, is enticing because you nailed it. The scrambling and around the green game is sort of his Achilles heel and there's nothing like Kiowa around the greens. I mean, this is just like the ragged dunes and, you know, dramatic drop-offs. And I'll just you can just get yourself tangled in all kinds of crazy spots out there. Uh, so that that is kind of the red flag on, on Hovland. The, the green flag, though, is the fact that uh, the guys, I mean, when you said, Scott, you felt like Morikawa is hitting it the best in the world right now. I actually sort of feel like it's Hovland. Uh, he's, he's right. right he's right. He's right there I, for sure. I just think, what is he? How many top threes does he have in the last? Is it three in a row or something like that? It's it's he's just running hot. And yeah. uh, he has he has six top fives last ten tournaments, which is pretty yeah. bonkers. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, is that something you'd be interested in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a trend. So I am uh, I recognize the risk with him, and I think maybe that statistical profile keeps him a little bit depressed because I I don't know. For me, I feel like Hovland's a top five or six favorite this week and he's priced down there as like 12 10 to 12 range 9300 so to me i feel like that's a, a dfs value and a 22 to 1 i like that value too i think i think everybody's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of lineups with hovland at 9300 i think that's uh the, the price is just a little bit lower than it should be i don't think he should be below uh, i mean it's all big names though so it's hard to say who gets to be ahead of but i think he should be up a little bit like i i certainly wouldn't put wouldn't have put him we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Behind Brooks. It's yeah, edible chocolate. I, I think Kemp is a fade. I, and yeah. Same with DJ. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you can't pick them all off this top tier. And I just think... I would have liked to have seen something more out of Kepka in you know coming off his knee injury. He's a big game hunter, but I, I don't know. I just don't, this doesn't seem like the kind of place you're going to go to try to find your game. <laughs> you got you to have it. So and DJ, I mean, gosh, fading fading DJ and Kepka in a major championship is like the recipe for failure over the last few years. But in this particular week, uh, to me, it feels like the play. Before I move on to the 8,000s and beyond, uh, let's take a quick break from our sponsors here. 
The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. That was a very quick break. We are back. If you are live streaming with us there, just a little ad break for us for those on the podcast end. Uh, let's move on uh, and move to the $8,000 tier where I think there's going to be some more uh, chalky players. Are they going to be as edible as Corey Connors in the Masters or as edible as Victor uh, Victor Hovland seems to be here? Uh, let, let's talk about that. It's, it's not a big tier in the 8,000s. Uh, start with Cam Smith at 8,900. I know uh, Pat Mayo, our colleague, really loves Cam Smith this week. Uh, Will Zalatoris is at 88, uh, Daniel Berger at 87, Tony Fino 86, Scotty Scheffler is at 85, Matt Fitzpatrick, not Matthew, uh, is at 84, Sun J.M. Uh, 83, Tommy Fleetwood 82, Justin Rose 81, and then Tyrrell Hatton and Louis Oosthuizen at 8,000. Guys, who jumps out to you in this tier? Let's start with Jeff this time. First name I circled on this tier for better or worse. Sometimes you just got to follow your gut. And the first one I circled was Tony Finau, uh, who mm-hmm. I have not really looked at that closely this year. I kind of, I've kind of fallen into the narrative with him of, of the, when is he going to win? We're way overdue. Just win somewhere, right? But we forget that this guy's been very close in majors before. He knows how to play the final group on Sunday. He just He's done everything really but win one of these or win, <laughs> win somewhere. But I think his game fits the profile. Again, for me, I started with Tita Green. I saw Finau pop up as, what is he, 10th in that particular stat. Uh, this just feels too low for a guy who's, who's played at an elite level and been on that t- top tier now for, for a good while. And I don't know. I just You could talk me into several guys off this tier, which is why I like Scott's strategy of saying, you know, build around the eight and 9,000s and maybe get three of these guys. Uh, but something led my pencil to Tony Finau's name this time. Uh, and we'll see if it, we'll see if it's right, but he's, he's on my card. Yeah. In terms of betting, you know, Finau's let people down, but like Jeff said, in terms of DFS, I mean, he's last 19 majors. He has nine top tens and only three missed cuts. So he's been really good in majors. Mm-hmm. He's worried a little bit about current form. I mean, he missed, uh, he missed three of the last four cuts, so he's not playing great. He was playing really well in, in January and February and he finished 10th at the masters. So he did have a, you know, he snuck in a really nice major in there, but you just wonder a little bit where the game is. Everybody's talking about Cam Smith this week. You mentioned Pat Mayo's actually picking him to win. He's 8900, just a ton of buzz, just a, an elite short game. We talked about the around the green stuff. He's maybe one of the one of the two or three best in the world around the green. So that, that you know should help him. He's fifth in the fifth in short game in this field. He's third around the greens, 12th in putting. Little shaky uh, off the tee. He was a little better last uh, last time he played at RBC Heritage, but he hasn't played. He played once. He played the team event that they won uh, since uh, since mid April. So you wonder, uh, you know, if there's a little bit of rust into that first day, but. I dropped down between those two. I like Will Zalatoris again at 8,800. I love Daniel Berger again at 8,700. I'm hoping he gets lost a little bit between the Finau and Cam Smith love. Uh, Berger's just ball strike has been elite the last couple of tournaments after a little bit of a blip there at the Masters. Five top tens already this season. Really good price for Berger. And, you know, Zalatoris, uh, he played really well at the Masters, then kind of had a little bit of a, a downfall, but just plays great at tough courses. When he finished sixth at the U.S. Open, second in the Masters, he's second to Colin Morikawa in this field in approach over the last 36 rounds, just hitting the ball great. Um, just seems like a time, a really good course. I don't know if he can win it at uh, his experience. We thought that the Masters, and he finished second. 
Um, but 8,800, I think he's a, a prime DraftKings play. Very cool. Who's a fade in this group? I, I kind of wanted to fade Willie Z, even though there's no statistical reason. It's more just, I think, still maybe coming off the limelight of the Masters a little bit. It hasn't done much since Augusta. Uh, and that, you know, we, I, I've mentioned it here before, and it, it, that winning a major changes a person's life, and often there's a hangover. Uh, there could be a bit of a hangover for Willie Z as well, just set, stepping that much into the limelight now and out of the shadow. And now he's a guy. I mean, he's a guy that's going to have a, probably a Wednesday press conference this week, I would guess, which was never he's, – he's just become a more known figure in the game. And um, it's not a statistical reason. It's more of just your life has changed and how do you handle with the new the new normal. So he might be the guy that I, I kind of just breezed over. I did like that burger pick a lot, though. I wanted to come back to that. That's a he also that power and control game. Someone who's having a really really solid season. Uh, that for DFS might be a little underowned as people kind of drift around around that name on the board. I'm hope I'm hoping the Will Z uh, you know down downtrend after the Masters was the was the blip there. You know he finished 42nd RBC errors and missed the cut, but he hit the ball so well last week at Byron Nelson. He putted terribly, but 9.5 shots gained in approach, 10.7 tee to green. Uh, I think it maybe the ball striking is back. And the last guy I want to talk about in this range, uh, my fade by the way is is Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, lost strokes mm-hmm. on approach four weeks in a row. And I don't think the game is where it was maybe, uh, you know, a couple months ago, we really, really liked him. Um, I love Sung JM, but he's just not playing well enough for me to take him in this range too. But you look at Louis Oosthuizen, uh, he's made 22 straight cuts in majors on U.S. soil, just really solid in majors, playing really has three top 12s his last six tournaments with no missed cuts. Uh, a lot of it's been a hot putter, though. He's, a, he's number one in the field in uh, in, in uh, short game in this uh, in this uh, field and number one in putting last Thursday's week. So it's it's hard. Um, it's hard because the putting's hot and we, we don't we don't know how he's going to putt on this surface. But he's someone at 8000, I think, uh, could slide through and not be super popular either. I like hearing that. I like it. I like, you know, save a little dollars too uh, against some others in this tier. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, when you, you're talking about that feeling, you know, divination led me to uh, pick Jason day last week and that didn't work out so well. So I'm going to try to go by stats more this week. I think we'll see. Uh, but, uh, and I don't know. I don't trust myself anymore than I did in the past. Uh, let's move on to the oh, seven- gut. always the gut is still never ignore it. Don't turn. Don't it's got to be well, a well-developed gut though. You know, you <laughs> have to have a reason to have that gut and you know, with baseball, I can trust my gut. I don't know if I'm there yet with golf, but we'll see. Uh, the seven thousands range guys, this is where you have the two guys that have played the most tournaments that have not missed a cut this season. And I know we're looking at it right now, so it's not really a trivia question, but yeah, we got Adam Scott and Joaquin Neiman at 79 and 78, respectively, that have made – or there are 11 for 11 and 15 for 15 in cuts. You're looking for some consistency. It's there. Plus, old friend Abraham Answer leads this tier at 7,900. Uh, Shane Lowry, 78. Casey, 77. Day, 77. Connors and Sergio and Leishman at 76. Burns, Watson, Goodland, uh, uh, Gary Woodland. I, I combined first and last name to call him Goodland. That's nice. 7,500. Maybe that'll be a nickname for him now. Maybe it'll stick. I doubt it. Um, Harmon, Wallace, Westwood, Garrick, Higo. I don't know him at all. At he's been, he's been killing, killing the Euro Tour this year. Okay. Seven, yeah. That shows how much I'm paying attention to the Euro Tour. I, 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 that's why I have experts like you on the show. I'm just a talking head, and I'm just here to direct traffic. But they're all 74. Keegan Bradley, Charlie Hoffman, Max Homa are at 73. Uh, Matthew Wolf withdrew. He's not in. Uh, 72 is Russell Henley, Siwoo Kim, Harris English, Billy Horschel, Aaron Wise, all at 72. 
a lot of in the sep this is a pretty big tier uh kokrak uh, tringali matt jones ian poulter cameron champ all at 71 and then to finish out chris kirk emiliano grio bob mcintyre he's getting a lot of love on twitter i've seen that at 7,000, Kisner, Kucher, Ricky Fowler, not getting a lot of love. Martin Keimer, uh, also at 7,000. I mean, we can almost break this into halves. I think we did that before in the past. Uh, what, what do you guys make out of this tier? Options galore. <laughs> yes, too many. I guess that's the whole point. It's the vast middle. Yeah, yeah. This is, what do we say? Was it last week we said there really didn't feel like there was a middle tier in the field? This one is, this one is like the double stuff Oreo of, uh, of right. fields. I, I can't believe Adam Scott's 7,900 in India. I know he hasn't done a lot in majors lately and he hasn't played since the Masters, but uh, he's a big game hunter. He's a guy that just, he'll find a way to the top 10, you know, more often than not, it feels like over the years when he's on form. The fact that he took time off the, from the Masters and I, caught a story where he said he, you know, just needed some time to get his game right or just step back. Uh, Adam Scott is no stranger to the the kind of midseason breaks too. He'll just kind of come and go and play his own schedule. But I just think, I don't know, anybody who's seen Adam Scott hit a golf ball, you just can't even believe he's ever an underdog, you know, with that swing and the way he strike it. And I still think uh, even at age 40, you know, and, and, and certainly not at his career peak, I think he's a guy that can still make you money in a DFS game. Interesting, because I am I am definitely no Adam Scott uh, this week. I just I don't think the game is there right now. He has he's finished inside the top ten uh, zero times since February two thousand twenty. Uh, he had the one tenth at, at Farmers this year, but I just I just don't think the game. I think the game is there to be really good. I don't think the game is there to really be a top three or a win right now. But uh, you know, he's one of those guys that you're right. He can drop the clubs and pick them up and, and be pretty good. But um, just to answer your question, Jeff, on Garrick Higo, uh, last four Euro tournaments, T4, win, T8, win. So Is that, um, That's good, right? I, I said killing it. I wanted to make sure I was right with that. I knew he'd been yeah. doing really well, but the, he actually has been killing it. But I want to stick at the top half of the sevens. I mean, I think, you know, we got to go back to Jeff's boy, Abe, Abe Answer, top 26, last seven events. The question here is whether he can hit it far enough for it to work. I mean, he's like, a, what, 120th in this field in, in driving distance. Um, so you wonder if that hurts him. But, I mean, he hits the ball so well. He was top five the last two weeks. His Valspar performance is all putting, but it, Wells Fargo, he's striking the ball really well. Um, top 10 in the field in ball striking and approach last 36 rounds, just hitting it really well. Um, it, it, we got to talk about Corey Connors, too, in this range. Yeah. So and talk about guys hitting the ball well, but – you just wonder the the around the green and putting the last couple weeks uh, where he lost strokes in both those stats the last couple weeks. So you wonder if that's going to hurt him here. Jeff mentioned earlier how difficult around the greens is at Kiowa, and I wonder there. But he's number one in ball striking in this field. If he shots gains ball striking the last thirty six rounds, he's really hitting the ball well. Sixth and off the tee, third in approach. Um, he struggled a lot at Wells Fargo, but it was all putting. So it just is one of those guys that if you can putt average at this price, I mean, he's just for how well he's hitting the ball, he's way way down the list of uh, pricing. I wonder if Corey Connors would would add the gaming golf logo to his golf bag at this he point. Should. The he should. He should. Publicity we've given him. We I, I don't know that we've gone an entire show without mentioning him. He plays every week, and he just somehow still manages to be underpriced, even as career trajectory is clearly on the upswing. He's still down in the seven thousands. It doesn't make sense to me. I, well, I was the second guy major. I circled almost as a joke of, well, if Scott doesn't mention Corey Connors, I'm going to do it because <laughs> yeah. uh, he still seems like an outlier at that price. And I was thinking in my head, if Scott doesn't mention him and Ritter doesn't mention him, well, I'm going to mention him. So there you go. So 
Gummy Johnson is right. No, you talk, uh, okay. you talk, you talk about high percentage though. I, I got to think a lot of people just as they're scrolling down, like, oh my god, Corey Connor seventy six hundred, put him in right there. So I think if uh, you know, it, it depends what you do with the rest of your team, but if you want to fade a high percentage guy here, he he's definitely gonna be the highest percentage in this in this range. Yeah, but I mean, I, I fading it, him didn't work so well in the Masters. I'll say that it, it, it worked terribly in the Masters. He was like sixty eight hundred and whatever he finished uh, top ten. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to be different, it's a way to do it. Um, I'm going to have him on some teams for sure, though, just because I think I think the price is. Uh, I think he should be above maybe eight or ten guys that are in the eight. You know, kind of a little bit above. Maybe surely should be ahead of Tommy Fleetwood and Justin Rose and Sung Jay. Some of these guys he's playing much better than right now. Um, it's just a name a name brand thing right there. But 7600, he's he's very much in play. What about Neiman? We haven't talked about him at all, except for my little intro to him. Uh, in- interesting. I-, I would certainly. You know, if you're if you're gonna fill fill out multiple cards, he would be tempting for me as well. Um, but I just I don't know. I I just quickly it was for me Scott Connors and then me, maybe Neiman is the third third pick off that tier. I like him a lot though. I mean, he's another guy. Wouldn't would it be shocking to see Joaquin Neiman playing? You know, in the final couple of groups on Sunday afternoon, it would not. If I had a if I had a crystal ball and tell me that the wind kicked up over the weekend, he'd be a really a really good play for me. He played really well in Hawaii in the wind. He kind of dominated that one windy day. He's made, right. seven, he's made 17 straight cuts. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about the around the green stuff. He's lost strokes around the green three last four tournaments that are that are uh, that are, you know, obviously the Masters in there is not. Uh, we don't have the shots gained stuff, but uh, a little bit worried there. But I mean, he's just a guy that I, I love playing every week. And at 1700, I think he's I think he's very playable again. If you want to be you know off the Abe answer chalk and maybe a little different there, he's a he's a nice pivot, just a hundred dollars cheaper. Sam Burns is the hottest golfer on the tour, second and first the last two weeks. 7500 is. Can he step it up in a big field like this? Ah, uh, for seventy five hundred, I'd be willing to take a shot at it, right? I think he's a. Re- I think he's another good pick for a daily fantasy game. I don't know that I would. I would make place the straight ticket on him. I didn't see what his odds were. I, for some reason, I have him on my notes, but I didn't see. He's got to be about sixty to one, I would guess. Um, hard to hard to put him on a, on the betting card for that, but I think a daily fantasy game. If the hottest golfer on the tour is is priced at seventy five hundred, yeah, he is. Uh, he is. He is sixty to one exactly. I don't know if you can hear the storms in Texas rolling in. Can you guys hear that? We got a got a big one outside of my window here. Light, I did hear something the whole, there. The I was thing, wondering yeah. wondering if you were like descending into the bat cave or it's just dark and cloudy there. No, it's just, it's just really it's just a I, really dark I, afternoon. <laughs> I thought maybe maybe you're putting in some new floors or something. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, we didn't get well, a floor. I, I, get, I see what you did there. Day. I see what you did there. I wanted it's funny. I wanted to ask about the floors off the top. Uh, I would just assume our our viewers would want to know as well if the if the kitchen our tens good. of viewers are ha- will be happy to know that uh, it, it, the the home construction is done. Nice. Uh, I think we have some nice laminate on our floor, so it's all good. Um, okay. Anybody before we move on to the betting card, anybody in the the cheap the cheap seats? Who are we looking for? It. I mean, there's plenty of good options in the six thousands. Anybody that you really like? We'll start with Jeff. Uh, well, it's not a cheapie, but just to get down to bouncing back to the seven thousands for a second, Keegan Bradley is just someone I started watching, uh, just thinking about what I, where I would want to go with this uh, this week. He was he was I think second or third place at Kiowa in twenty twelve. Seems like he's found his game again, and he's got kind of got the right statistical profile. Fifth in tee to green this year. That was my number one stat that I wanted to follow. And uh, I'll take a guy who's on form and has some pretty good vibes from a place coming in. So, 
And I just noticed I, I was on golf odds a few weeks ago and he was 200, 200 to one. And I thought, Oh, that seems like I want to get in on that. And I checked it today and he's bet all the way down to 80 to one. So uh, the sharps or, or somebody, somebody has caught on to this as well of, you know, form meshing with course meshing with, you know, uh, the right time. So for me, Keegan Bradley be another guy at the lower seven thousands that I'd look at. Um, I also circled burned Wiesberger. Um, I think beyond just the fact that I know how to say his last name, I think he's just another guy that uh, is quietly put together a, a solid year, 6,700 on the DFS card, uh, doing most of his damage in Europe, but but still someone that I, I flagged this week is maybe you can round out your lineup with him and, and get a made cut and with any luck, maybe even a top 20 out of him. So it's funny you mentioned Keegan because that's the name I was going to go to before we left the seven thousand. I haven't bolded on my sheet. I just I love how he's hitting it right now. Uh, Jeff mentioned the fifth and tee to green. He's ninth in this field in approach to. This is a guy that's top ten in both those major stats this week. Uh, eight straight made cuts, top twenty five each of the last three weeks. He's one of those guys like if he could putt average, I think you're looking at a top twenty and then you know at this range that's that's a huge value right there. He, and Jeff mentioned he was tied for third here in 2012. So as an experience on this course, I do like Matt Wallace again at 7,400, a guy that we've gone back to a few times. Mm -hmm. He's playing, playing really well. T to green top 20, the last couple weeks, top 35, the last four weeks. So he's someone that I do like, um, as we jump down lower, uh, I think Charles Schwartzel at 6,800 is a, a nice play at the price. Uh, recent form is really good. Top 26 is last four tournaments, last three tournaments, uh, shots gained approach 6.2, 6.8, 4.6. We look at that of the, the key stats and you get someone that kind of pops in the 6,800s. Uh, or 6,000s. Uh, that's a guy that I'm going to play on some squads and, and try and get in some expensive guys. Uh, Emiliano Grillo is interesting at 7,000. Another guy who's hitting the ball really well right now. Um, gained seven plus shot gain on a on approach in two of his last three. He was really bad off the tee last tournament. Wells Fargo with a little bit of concern there, but playing really well. Three top 25s, last four tournaments. At 7,000, I think he's in the range. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. He's like 8,500, and I was a fade on him. But get him in the 7,000s, I think he becomes a guy that can, can pop and finish in the top 20, and that's kind of what you're looking for in the range. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, you know, voraciously scribbling notes here to try to put together. I'll probably have a few more lineups than I usually do this week, but uh, you know, can we hit, can we hit one more guy before we get out of here? Uh, of course. There's a guy that's going to be pretty popular in the seven thousand. We really talk about. How do you guys feel about Paul Casey this week? I hadn't really thought about him. He wasn't really. I kind of just glossed over him quickly. What makes you? What makes you think he's? He just he just hit it. He, he just think the name in the seventy seven hundred. He 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 hit it really well at Valspar a couple weeks ago, and he was really hot coming into there. Um, he was on fire in you know January to March, and maybe looking to get it back. Uh, he putted poorly at Valspar, kind of hid how well he hit the ball. Um, you know, T D Green number T D Green numbers of five of the last six are really elite. He's got like over he's got like over six shots gained T D Green in four of his last six, and he's the guy that is gonna make the cut. Uh, maybe won't win, but I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we look up and we're like, you know, T12 for Paul Casey. And he's, a, he's a good value at 7,700. Yeah. And, you know, he missed the cut at the Heritage, but besides that, his results have been pretty good this year. 8, they 5, happen. 10, 5, 26, 21. Uh, you know, it, I think he he, he he closed well at the Valspar 68 on Sunday, closed well at the Masters, just kind of dug himself a little bit of a hole. I mean, I, I think I'd love to be able to see him actually string together two good early rounds would be yeah. nice. Uh, and kind of did that actually at Pebble Beach. And, of course, he finished fifth there. So, Yeah, if he, if, he had, if he had putted just like kind of just like a little bit below average at Valspar, he would have been a top 10. I think a lot of people will be talking about him this week. So I think it's hidden in there is how badly he putted. It's kind of hiding him a little bit. 
Right, and he won't be chalky as he was at the Masters, so that's all. Uh, that's awfully nice. Yeah, I think there'll be some ownership, but with Answer right there and Corey Connors right next to him, I think that kind of eats up some of the some of the ownership too. Yep, yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, let's go to the betting sheet here. Uh, you know, both of you kind of suggested it's not that fun to bet favorites. Uh, is there one of the top tier guys that you would think that have at least reasonable odds? Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's either it's either JT or Xander for me in the top tier. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go JT. He's fourteen and a half to one right now. Uh, I like the price over the Rory, whatever he is, nine or eleven to one. Uh, I think of the top tier, I'm only gonna take one of them because I want to play. I want to play some middle guys. I'm gonna have a couple guys in the 30s, a couple guys later. But uh, JT's me my bet at the top at fourteen and a half to one. I would go uh, Bryson, who I pulled at sixteen to one off golf odds. Are you using DraftKings odds? I guess yeah, I it's, 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 a, it's the same. He's sixteen to one still. Also, okay, yeah. Uh, what is Patrick Reed? I, I had him on my card and I forgot. 30, 35 to one on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Ooh, that is that's tempting. Um, Hovland twenty two to one is would still would immediate play for me for the reason we talked about before. Uh, Finau forty to one, and then I. It's hard to go back to Keegan now that he's down to eighty to one. He was going to be my favorite two hundred to one bet of all time if he had stayed there. Um, but I, I think I don't know for a Con- Corey Connors sixty to one. Two mentions of Corey Connors this week, so now we should be we should be on his golf bag and maybe on his driver cover at this point. Uh, but Corey Connors even is tempting too, all the way down to sixty to one. So I don't know. I don't I don't see a lot of like. 100 to 1, you know, 200 to 1. Adam Scott's 100 to 1. I don't I don't think Adam Scott is going to win this week, but I think he could very sneakily, you know, finish 12th. Um, I probably stay in the in the upper tier for my for just picking this the straight ticket. Yeah, I usually I open up my my ticket a little bit on majors. I admit that maybe not the maybe not the smartest thing always, but I, I bet a few more guys. So I'm gonna have Jim FJT. I'm gonna have uh, Daniel Berger at and Colin Morikawa at thirty to one. You give me Colin Morikawa at thirty to one any tournament. I'm gonna bet that every time, and it's worked. It's worked really well. I've hit him on his last two winners, the PGA and then whatever event he won earlier this year at, at pretty good odds. And then in the middle, I like I like Will Zalatoris at fifty five. I know it's tough to you know win as as a young guy like that, but fifty five to one I think is a good price. Uh, Keegan and Corey Connors at seventy to one are both uh, guys I'm have a few bucks on. And then as we drop way down the end, uh, there's one guy, Charles Schwartzel, 110 to one. I think it's worth a couple of bucks. And he's a guy down here that could win, which is all you want. I mean, it's a it's a long shot for a reason. But as you get the names down here, it's hard to see guys winning rather than just competing. And I think Charles, is a guy that uh, you know, if things break right, maybe the weather gets a little uh, dicey, uh, he could he could win this as the uh, in there. So 110 to one, a couple of bucks on him. But uh, uh, JT Berger and Morikawa are my my, my three faves and among like guys under 35 to one. Very good. Very good. Uh, any parting words you want to uh, discuss? Uh, like any, for instance, uh, any uh, one and done picks, anything else, any other fades, anything else, any other parting shots? Jeff, you go first. I used, I used my one and done last week on Bryson. I, I would be very tempted to use it here, but uh, I sort of found myself thinking about, I came down to either Hovland who might be the worst chipper among the elite players and Patrick Reed, who might be the best, but lacks in other, other areas. And I, I'm going to go with Hovland as my one and done uh, over Patrick Reed, but I am, I'm very much looking forward to this week. The PGA, this, this is about as good, I think, as a PGA can get, I think coming in, I'm really excited for this and the venue. It's such a, it's really going to be a fun time. I think to watch this Uh, would be not fun at all to play it. Uh, but a great, great spectating week for sure. Well, I think if I have unlimited golf balls, I think it would be a blast to play. It's just a <laughs> I, blast I, to see I played how it, bad I played it, it can one. do. 
I played it once and it was just total carnage. And we, we played it from, you know, like 6,600 yards probably. And it right, was a bloodbath, right. you know, like played it with a group of guys. We're all, you know, like 12 to 18 handicaps. I don't think anybody broke 100. And this was like, you know, in March and three years ago. And it was just like, get me out of here. This place is just all, it is just tough, tough golf course. Jeff, before I go with my one and done, give me yours because I'm going to forget to ask if I go first. Oh, okay. I I, I, I like to be just the talking head and just uh, do that. I nope, will... I'm making you pick. Got to have picks. Uh, I'm going to go super chalky and say Rory. I I have Justin Thomas available and I'm behind in one and done this year. Last year I was really good. This year I'm struggling. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go JT with the big gigantic major purse this week. Um, I think JT gets it done this week. I think he wins. Uh, I think he wins by uh, a couple shots and, uh, uh, the fun thing about this course is 17 and 18. 18 is the second hardest hole in the course. 17 is the sixth hardest hole in the course. So if you're you got a two shot lead coming to 17 and 18, that is no sure thing. It's, I think we're going to see some some fun action on 17. I think it's going to be a really fun close. It's a par four, 18th, uh, second hardest hole. I think it's going to be a lot of fun on 18. Uh, anything, anybody with a couple shots can win it to coming down the stretch. Yeah, I would encourage our audience actually to look up highlights of the 91 Ryder Cup, which is when this course first opened. That's the Ryder Cup known as the War by the Shore. And you will see some of the worst golf shots you've ever seen a professional <laughs> golfer hit I on, love the, it. on the 17th hole at Kiowa. I mean, you had guys just like cold shanking it and just like just like topping it into the water under so much <laughs> pressure. And that, that tee shot is utterly terrifying from the middle tees where I played it. You know, when they're right there, it just – it's a very, very tough golf course. 17, golf course. 17's a par three, right? Yeah. Okay. Over, over water and just, yeah, just like it's, it's, yeah. Very, very I saw, scary. I saw JT hitting some shots there. He put them on Instagram yesterday and he was hitting, he's like, oh, I hit that ball perfectly and it went in the water. So it's, uh, they're still trying to figure out how to play that hole. Yeah. And I, I just, hey, we all get a little bit of shade and Freud, like, just like, oh, look at these pros struggle. It's yeah. awesome. And you add in the Ryder Cup tension. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. But, Love it more when it's yeah yeah you know, except for when it's your golfer then you hate it but uh, you like I do that all the time <laughs> and I guess on that note we'll we'll conclude today's uh, podcast everybody thanks for watching the live stream uh, please let us know what you want to see more of what you want to see a little less of you let us know give us feedback we are open to it uh, but appreciate everybody listening to gaming golf uh, good luck in your PGA entries and uh, have a great week. Discover speakers for all around your home and beyond at Sonos.com, including Move and the all-new Roam. This latest portable addition to the Sonos system is smart, lightweight, waterproof, and ready for any adventure. So start yours now at Sonos.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.